This is the Responsible Sports Podcast, presented by Liberty Mutual. Episode number eight, Joy Fawcett. Responsible Sports is a program dedicated to supporting coaches and parents who help our children succeed on and off the field. Each episode, our host, Jim Thompson, Executive Director of Positive Coaching Alliance, will be joined by some of the most influential players and coaches to share their thoughts and experiences with responsible coaching and responsible sports parenting. In this episode, Jim welcomes former U.S. National Women's Soccer Team defender Joy Fawcett. For those kids that work hard and practice and have earned their teammates' respect, your teammates will listen to you and, and listen to what you have to say. And if you're not just telling your players, oh, hustle back, I need you to get back, but you're also encouraging them and praising them as well when they do do things right, their teammates are more willing to listen to them. Jim sits down with Joy to discuss the importance of communication in youth sports. Joy shares stories of communicating with her dad about yelling on the sidelines provides insights on her own communication style with her national team members, and even shares her thoughts on how she and other youth sports parents can talk to their kids about their youth sports experience. Known as the ultimate soccer mom for having raised her kids while competing at the highest levels of soccer, Joy's insights into her own playing experience and the sports experience of her kids are invaluable for parents and coaches alike. I'm really excited today to have Joy Fawcett with us. Joy is known as the ultimate soccer mom because she and her husband, Walt, raised their children while Joy was competing at the highest level of soccer. She was a member of the U.S. national women's team, played in four World Cups, winning two in 1991 and 1999. She also played in three Olympics, winning a gold medal in 96, silver in 2000, and gold again for the 2004 team. Um, she's a graduate of the University of California, Berkeley, and coached soccer at UCLA. When she retired from uh, performing in 2004, she had played 239 games for the national team, including 23 in the Women's World Cup, 16 in the Olympic Games. Joy, the next statement is one of the most amazing things. In more than 20,000 minutes of play for the U.S., you received only two yellow cards and zero red cards. Never were red carded. After retiring from the national team in 2004, Joy and Walt started an elite soccer club in Southern California. I'm proud to say joined Positive Coaching Alliance's National Advisory Board and in 2009 was inducted into the National Soccer Hall of Fame. Joy, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So, Joy, I'm, I'm interested in your uh, upbringing in sports. I know your, your brother played at a very high level as well. Um, tell me about the influences of your parents and your family on your sports career. Um, let's see. My parents, I don't know if they were overwhelmed. I have eight brothers and sisters, and we all kind of played soccer, and, and some of us dabbled in other sports, but mostly I stuck to soccer. And um, They were always just very positive. They just took us to practices and trainings and um, ran us around and came to all the games. Um, I think, and my dad is very, he did, he has a loud voice and you can hear him anywhere on the field. <laughs> but um, at one point my sister actually asked him not to yell so much because it made her nervous on the field when she heard him yell. And I don't think it mattered what he was yelling, <laughs> just the fact that she heard his voice. So 
um, that kind of helped me out because she had already trained him pretty much <laughs> to keep quiet on the sideline. Cause so he took her coaching. Yeah, he did. He listened to her. From then on, he just would yell, pretty much yell during warm-up just to let you know that he was there, and then kept quiet pretty much the rest of the game. So, I think there are a lot of soccer players out there, kids in high school age and younger, who would love to have parents like your dad who uh, would listen to them and, and let them play the game. Definitely, definitely. And and I was lucky enough to have a sister that was brave enough to tell him. Because <laughs> talking to kids today, you know, you ask them, you know, how things are going, and some some of them say that their parents do yell at them, and they would rather them not. And I'm like, well, why don't you talk to them? And they're very fearful of bringing that up to their parents. Did you have some some positive coaches who influenced you, and and do you remember anything about what they did to encourage you? Well, I think one of the biggest coaches that had a huge influence on me was my high school coach, and it was it wasn't that she was like an easy coach or I mean she was very competitive, and the thing that she did well, she got the most out of us in practice. Um, she taught me the discipline of working hard and in, in training um, and she was just just a strong strong coach that was able to get the most out of me. In training and to see the benefits of working hard when I was out there and putting forth the effort um, in training. You know, um, a lot of kids when they're playing soccer, if they're if they're ahead of the other kids, if they're more talented, they end up playing up front. Um, and I wonder if that was true for you at a start. And when you made the move to the defense, and if you have any advice for players who start out on offense and and move to defense. Um, it, it was true for me. I started out as a, an attacker. I was a forward as a kid, um, because mostly because of my speed. I was very fast. And for kids who move and change positions, I think the best thing would be to embrace it because it's important to learn to, to learn all the positions um, and to understand them um, so that you know. I think it helps because then you know kind of where your teammates are are going to make their runs and where they're, they're going to be and um, if it's on the soccer field. Um, I think just to embrace it. And for me, I just wanted to be on the field. So I really didn't care where I played. I just wanted to be a, out there, a part of the game and on the field. Um, and for me, becoming a defender, it was tough. It was tough to learn the position. You feel insecure because you don't really know the position at all. Um, and I think just listen to your coach and – Focus on the little things that you're doing right and continue to try and learn that position and get better at it. And once you do that, you become confident at that and enjoy it. I, I wonder if there's a different mentality for attackers and defenders. I, I talked to a dad once whose who's daughter uh, on offense uh, wasn't very aggressive because she felt it would be kind of rude to score on the other team. But... Um, <laughs> when she was on defense, she was ferocious because that was okay. You know, you, uh, don't, don't try to score on me. And I wonder if there's a different, did you feel like there's a different attitude of an attacker versus a defender? I think there is, but I, I haven't noticed it in the physical side of the game, but I've noticed it more in, as an attacker, you have to have the confidence to hold on to the ball and, and uh, take players on and feel confident and, and actually making more mistakes and losing the ball, I think, a little bit. In defense, 
you didn't. I mean, you didn't want to dribble the ball and hold on to it as much. So you're had to be more of a playmaking type. So I, I don't know. I think it's definitely different personalities for different positions. But yeah, in the physical side, I think you could use that all over the field. Yeah. Um, as a player, did you define success other than in terms of the scoreboard? Did you have other measures for yourself, uh, whether that you were trying to to live up to in a particular game, apart from just winning the game? Um, definitely. Um, for me, I would, and I did it more and more. I probably did it as a youth without really knowing it. Um, but I think as I got older and recognized it, just I would make small goals for every game that I wanted to accomplish. Three small goals I would make, whether it's I'm going to win this many headers out of the air or I'm going to complete this many passes to my teammates um, or I'm going to not get beat 1v1 on defense. So I would definitely write down like three small goals per game. And then after the game, I would evaluate myself based on those. And really, whatever happened in the game, whether we won or lost, I, you know, I hated to lose, but I could look at my performance and kind of see how I did and measure myself against myself. And I remember doing that, especially in the 2000 Olympics in um, Australia. We had gotten the silver medal. And certainly I was bummed, but I thought I had played well and played my hardest and left everything on the field. So I... You know, it's a little easier to take when you give it your all in the field. Uh, those are great, uh, great thoughts. Thank you. As a as a coach now and a parent, um, do, do you have? How do you define define success for your kids when they're playing sports? Um, for my kids, I look. One, I look to see if they're enjoying it and having fun with it. Um, I know that's something that kept me in the game for as long as I've been in it, is that I really, really enjoyed it and enjoyed playing. Um, also, if they're out there working hard um, and giving it their all, um, being good teammates out there on the field with their, um, with their teammates and stuff. And sometimes, you know, with them, I'll set goals as well. I'll help them, help them look for those small achievements in the game um, and set goals with them so that they can find that success. Because I know my youngest, who's eight now, they don't win a lot of games right now because they're playing at a, a pretty competitive level. And But helping them stay positive and look for the successes they can find out there on the field um, keeps them having fun and keeps them wanting to play and get better. You know, the, Joy, there's a concept in uh, management, uh, business school, et cetera, about uh, small wins that – you build up your confidence as a this is as an organization or you know leading a leading a company that mm-hmm. you, you you go from small wins to small wins and eventually to big ones and I think that's exactly what you're talking about giving uh, giving players um, you know specific things that they can control and really work on that that over time lead to success on the scoreboard yeah definitely and I think it I think another important aspect is that parents need to understand that as well and be patient with it and not give up on it because I think a lot of parents tend to give up on that too early and look for teams just for the wins. Um, you know, one of our uh, 
major con- concepts with positive coaching is uh, emotional tanks. It, everybody has an emotional tank in which it's filled, um, you know, because somebody compliments you, thanks you for what you're doing. Um, you know, kids do better, athletes do better than when their tanks are drained. Um, who are some of the, the, the people who filled your tanks, either coaches or, or teammates or whomever, during your national team career? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one of my teammates, one of my major fillers was Shannon McMillan. She was always there, my biggest cheerleader, biggest fan, always, you know, because I was always one to pick up the negative things that I did in the game, and she was always there to to make sure that I saw the positive as well um, after every game and trainings and um, stuff like that. And we we were very lucky. We had a lot of positive teammates on our on our team. Um, Julie Fowdy was always there picking people up during the games. You know, you could tell. You know, she was always very vocal and picking them up if people had made mistakes during the game. And um, and Carla Oberbrecht as well. She was the captain as well from the back, and, and she was always very positive. You know, when I look back on that team, it just seems like, I mean, a lot of talent, no question about it, and really hard work and effort. But the chemistry among you you players and, and the like you say, the positive tank filling for each other, um, you kind of wonder, is there ever going to be another team like that? It was a pretty special group of people. I hope there is. I think a lot of it that made it special did come from the girls and the teammates. Um, a lot of us, you know, really worked hard and and gave more than we wanted to receive. And if, I think if a lot of the kids come up today and look to give back to their team and look to build it as a team, I think they'll be successful instead of looking at just what they're doing. Any thoughts about how coaches today working with kids can fill the tanks of their players? I think coaches for coaches it's easy to pick out um, the negatives on the field, the things that they want their players to do and point them out. If they can do it in a more positive way, they can accomplish both. By like, I lo- If they see it once on the field, something that they want the player to continue to do it, to, to recognize it instead of let that go by but really recognize the things that you want them to do and point it out, whether it's I really loved how you got back on defense, um, I really loved how you took that shot, um, stuff like that. Because I think as coaches we tend to skip back past the things they're doing well and really focus on all the things you want them to learn and get done. But try and point it out in a positive way when you do see it on the field. Yeah, that's great. Um, I think the national team coach, uh, Tony, had a, um, a book actually called Catch Them Doing Something Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which kind of sums that up. Yeah, definitely. It definitely helps. You know, um, you mentioned Julie Foudy, and I actually talked to Julie. Um, one of the things she said is that you didn't talk a lot, but when you did, everybody listened because they knew something really important was coming. Um, and you know, what about soccer players? It could be boys as well as girls who are a little timid and need to be encouraged to be vocal on the field. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you approach communication with your teammates on the national team and, uh, you know, especially uh, focusing on the defense? Uh, any thoughts about how you get kids to communicate with each other on the field? It's hard. I think kids are afraid of hurting each other's feelings a lot. And- and also not trusting 
and what they're seeing is correct. Um, but I think for those kids that work hard and practice and have earned their teammates' respect, your teammates will listen to you and, and listen to what you have to say. And if you're not just saying, if you're not just telling your players, oh, hustle back, I need you to get back, but you're also encouraging them and praising them as well when they do do things right, their teammates are more willing to listen to them. So just as coaches need to kind of do both, I think as players you need to do that as well, is be positive out there on the field with your teammates. And if you're afraid of talking, start with just the positives and start pointing out, you know, the positives and cheering your teammates on out there on the field. And then as that, as you get more comfortable doing that, then maybe say, hey, you know, can you do this? Can you help me out with this? Can you hustle back a little faster and and they'll be more willing to listen. Uh, that, that's really great. You know, you can, I think too often coaches and, and players are, as you're saying, like hustle back. And if you you do see somebody hustle back and you say, wow, I really like the way you hustled back, that, that mm-hmm. you're going to get more of that behavior when you, right. when you notice the good stuff. Yeah, definitely. And that goes for the players on the field as well. So I want to I want to come to back to this idea that you only got two yellow cards in 20,000 minutes and no red cards. That's that's an incredible record of honoring the game. There must have been some times when you were challenged to to keep your composure. Did did you have a specific uh, technique to help make sure that you uh, didn't get a red card? No, I think it, for me when when things would go wrong in the field or a player was especially nagging or or fouling me and, you know, just getting frustrated with the game. I think I would look at it as something – I would laugh more than anything. Laugh, laugh it off, laugh the fouls off, laugh the aggravation off. Or I would also try and turn it around to say, okay, I'm going to get you back and I'm going to beat you when I get the ball next. Or I'm going to make you run – and chase me down and suffer that way instead of <laughs> taking it out on them in any physical way or breaking a rule or getting a yellow card. So I kind of turn it away that turn it around that way and use the game to get them back within the rules, whether it's scoring or you know making them chase me down. That was always my thought. Or laughing things off always helps. No, there's a, that's that's great. Thank you. Um, in, in the club that you and your husband started, um, you know, you have to recruit and evaluate coaches. What what traits are you looking for in a coach, and are there any red flags that let you know a coach is not the, the right fit for your organization? Um, I think some of the biggest things that we've learned um, to look for are coaches that can communicate. Um, they can communicate with their players. They can communicate with the parents. Um, and that they feel comfortable, especially being able to communicate with parents. Um, I think if there's an open dialogue going on there, there's less problems. Um, also, some of the red flags, I think, it's, it's we want competitive coaches, but you can tell in the interview process that they keep going back to wanting to move up a level or wanting to get to, you know, we our goal is to get to silver or get to gold or whatever. 
then you can it kind of sends off red flags that that's their main focus is just moving up a level and not really developing the kids and the as players um and that's kind of what we want them to do is to be able to develop the players um as a team and bring them along together um instead of we just want to get to this point. Focus on what what you have and making those players better and come together as a team and have have a good season. So um but I think communication is a big thing as well. So Yeah. Um, how are your kids uh, responding to their youth sports experiences? Are they, are they playing soccer, other sports? Um, both of them, two of them play soccer, um, and they love it. Um, my older is in high school. Um, she plays on the soccer team, our club soccer team, and then she does track in high school as well. And for her, it's interesting. We're at an interesting point in her career. She's a sophomore, you know, wants to play in college. And her team's not that great, but she loves the girls, loves the experience, loves the coach. Um, and I'm excited because she really wants to get better and continue to grow. But for her to play in college and be seen, her team's never going to be seen for her to get recruited from this team. So it's kind of a catch-22 we're at right now where she really loves this team, loves the experience, doesn't want to move. And so we're kind of dabble you with that to see how how to um, move her along. But I love the fact that she loves the game still because there's so many kids her age that just don't want to play anymore. They're done with high school. It's been too much pressure for them, and they just don't want to play anymore, and they don't want to play in college, and they just don't like the game anymore, which is really sad. So I'm excited that she still loves it and wants to grow as a player. And then my younger one's just excited, loves the game, and wants to be out there all the time, so it's fun. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it really is sad when you got uh, kids, uh, you know, can't wait to start playing sports, and then after a few years, they uh, they want to they want to stop. Um, if there was one message you could get across to responsible sports parents across mm-hmm. the country, what would that one message be? I think really listen to what your kids have to say. You know, ask them, ask them questions, but really listen to what they have to say. Whether, and you'll learn a lot just from from the what they're saying to you, um, whether they're enjoying the game or not, or the stresses that they're feeling, or, and then you can go from there as to what you need to do. It'll give you a better idea as to how you need to be as a parent. You know, that's that that's really interesting. We. Um... <clears throat> I think so many parents are, want their kids to get better, and so they're they're always talking to, they're always telling their kids. Um, and you know, your advice is really good. It's like ask them questions, listen to what they have to say. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, just make it a comfortable environment so your kid will want to talk to you. You know, maybe they they definitely have things that they want to say, <laughs> and hopefully they're not too afraid to do that, and, and you're willing to listen. So. Well, I think too, if it's if it's their experience rather than the parents' experience, and mm-hmm. so you're saying, tell me about your, you know, your soccer game as opposed to this is what you need to do to make me happy. Right, definitely. I mean, the kids, the kids know and love the game, and I think 
they they want to they want to please you, and but it is their experience, and let's make it theirs, and let's make them learn the most from it, um, and help them along that process. So. Great. Joy, so great talking to you. Thank you for uh, sharing all your wisdom with our, our listeners. And- oh, thank you. It's been great. To learn more about responsible sports, including downloading valuable tips and tools for communicating with your youth sports athletes, visit responsiblesports.com. You'll find helpful responsible sport parenting and responsible coaching guides, downloadable tools and worksheets, and advice from leading youth sports experts. Music for this podcast has been generously provided by APM Music.